Today on the Cineos Health Podcast, we'll be talking about learning agility. I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'll be joined by Karen White and by Kylie Flanagan, both from Cineos Health. We'll be talking about what makes someone agile at learning, learning in new situations, learning about new situations, and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And why does a pharma company care about learning agility? And why do you need learning agility at your pharmaceutical or biotech company? Learning agility next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Kylie Flanagan, Karen White, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. So I've worked with both of you for years. What do you do? This is Karen. I am an HR leader for commercial solutions at Cineos Health, but my background is more squarely in leadership development and talent development. This is Kylie. I'm a director in our medical affairs consulting group, and my background is in talent and learning development. So the work that I do is bringing capabilities such as learning agility and other people-related talent solutions to our pharmaceutical clients. Learning agility is what we're talking about today. And the first question is, what the heck is learning agility? Why would I care about it if I'm a pharma company? That's such a great question, Jeff, because learning agility in and of itself really seems like it's an easy concept. But what we have found through our work with people around the world, both internally at Cineos Health, as well as with our clients, is that learning agility is actually this umbrella concept of various behaviors, skills, and competencies, and even mindsets that are associated with change and learning and ambiguity. So the way we define it is that learning agility is the desire, you know, motivation, a self-directedness, and also a capability skill set and set of behaviors that allows people to integrate their past experiences and also current information in order to navigate that change, uncertainty, and learning. Are you saying that it's ability to learn in uncertain times and uncertain circumstances, or is it, I'm a better person at learning how to learn? Well, it could be both. One of the ways that we also think about it coming out of the Center for Creative Leadership is simply knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. So having the ability, the comfort to figure things out, even though it might not be in your wheelhouse. Your question on, does it mean I'm good at learning? I think that's a great question because when people hear the term learning agility, they often assume and associate themselves with either, hey, I've been a lifetime learner or I'm really smart, you know, I'm an academic, I've done well at school, I learn really well, and I constantly want to learn. But this concept is a little bit more complex than one's ability to learn. It's layered onto that. So the example that we're living in right now, I think, is a perfect way to really bring home what we're talking about. COVID has slammed all of us with this world that we've never lived in before, And companies and businesses and individuals have been faced with having to perform and having to adjust in a scenario that they've never experienced before. And as Kylie said, they don't know what to do, right? There is no precedent for this. So one thing to think about when you think about learning agility is to think about the businesses around, even in your daily life, the restaurants, 
for the grocery stores who were very quickly able to adapt and shift their business model and service their customers and clients in this unprecedented situation. They likely have someone at the helm and teams who are highly learning agile. Does that explanation help? It does. If I think back on experiences we've had with school, that there are those students who do extremely well. Once they know what it is that they have to master, they're going to master it. They're going to master it quickly and they're going to succeed. But that isn't the same as someone who comes into a situation that is unknown, very new. It isn't clear what good even looks like. It's a different test from what they've ever taken. And there are other people who do very well in that situation. It sounds like that's learning agility. Have I gotten that right? Yeah. And in fact, Kylie and I can both talk about this. Not only did you get it right, but you're bringing up the conflict that inherently exists for our clients and for pharmaceutical companies is that we often hire and value and really need because of our focus in science and medicine, we require talent with depth of subject matter expertise, i.e. those people you've just mentioned who really excel at studying and are in fact experts. The conundrum here is that in order to flex and grow in this ever-changing world, Agility oftentimes is kind of at the other end of the continuum from a subject matter expertise. So someone who is very comfortable in that ambiguity that Kylie was explaining. What's really super cool about what Karen's describing is that there's actually a term for it in the management literature, and it's called the learning credibility tension. What it's getting at is that tension behind needing to be a subject matter expert And then also the vulnerability and openness that comes with having to try something new or do something differently. So back to your question about why learning agility matters to the pharmaceutical industry, we can even apply it to something like the number of global complex drug launches that are expected in the next three years and the increasing number of rare disease therapies where we're not coming back to a specific framework. We have to figure it out. When we take the subject matter expertise of our medical affairs teams, our commercial teams, our market access teams, how do we help them develop the comfort and skill to be able to identify the patterns out in the marketplace, to be able to pivot and flex rapidly? And what's really scary, and Karen and I often joke about this, is that often entails failure. We've heard from a lot of pharmaceutical leaders that every experiment succeeds, then you're just doing the same thing that people already know. And so if you apply that idea, we know that when we're navigating this kind of ambiguity and change, things aren't always going to go as expected. So how do you learn and how do you adapt to those changing dynamics? I can think of lots of parallels that include investors. There are investors who do very well as long as the stock market's going up, which <laughs> sounds like it's, it sounds like that, that should be easy, which it should be easy. And then not so well because they haven't really protected themselves from the downside of highly volatile markets. And others, that volatility, if it's the right time, then the volatility is a boon to different investors. In pharma, of course, we see the same thing, right? We see different clinical trials failing. Others that are repurposed very, very quickly. We see companies that shut down their sales forces because of COVID and others that moved very, very rapidly to virtual sales forces when they couldn't get out there and see people very quickly. And I even think of 
payers, like right now in the payer world, there is offshoring and consolidation of Express Scripts, one of the largest pharmacy benefit managers. And they're telling all of their customers, our clients, manufacturers, are telling them that they can exclude products down to different plans that never excluded before. And what do you do with that? Is it true? Do they even know whether or not they can actually execute on this one? There's a flexibility that some clients just have, and they're able to respond very quickly to this new incredible threat. Yeah, and I think we are faced as all these scenarios that you've mentioned, Jeff, with ambiguity and a new model, new model kind of on every corner. You've just mentioned several areas of innovation, which is an exciting time for innovation. And so these concepts of learning agility, and we talk about subject matter expertise, we're not saying that one is better than the other. I think the question for our clients and in this industry is, how can we hone in on talent where both subject matter expertise and learning agility can coexist so that you're not picking one or the other, but that they're coexisting in your top talent or in your talent base so that you can develop those new models, you can innovate, and you can execute. Can I challenge that just for one second? Yeah, go for it. I love the idea. Do we need each member to be flexible or do we need a team that has some flexible members and some rigid members? My answer is the latter. Kylie's may be different, but like many concepts, it's about intentionality. A team or an organization would behoove itself to be very intentional about the learning agility capability of its team, just like it would be cognizant of any other skill set or capability of its team. So it's not that everyone has to have it. We're always going to need subject matter expertise, no matter how deep it is and how learning agile they are not. However, increasingly in this complex landscape, we are going to need people who can perform in unpredicted circumstances and navigate those waters. I couldn't agree more. I think when we are looking at learning agility and assessing what's needed for our team, we want to think about it as a continuum. And the important piece about learning agility, just like any other capability that's being enhanced within the organization, we always want to tie it back to the business objectives. So that relates to the specific role being performed within the organization. For example, we could take an MSL, and generally speaking, we would expect that there's a need for high learning agility to be able to pivot, adapt, have the emotional intelligence, the scientific acumen, to have the kind of quality scientific exchange that's needed to generate insights that then come back into the organization. We think about flexible resourcing models when MSLs get pulled from an asset or a therapy for various reasons and then need to be redeployed. So for MSLs, the flexible resourcing model means that they could then be redeployed to a different asset, different therapeutic area, or even a different medical affairs function going over and supporting work in med info or medical research. So what becomes really important as we think about the capabilities that need to be enhanced within the organization, learning agility is really critical. Before we get to how we get learning agility, how do we measure it? How do we know that people have it or don't have it? 
Well, in terms of assessing it, we actually have a diagnostic that we've developed at Cineo's Health that takes a look at various dimensions associated with greater learning agility. So we do have a diagnostic that can inform a baseline of individual preferences and habits as it relates to navigating change, ambiguity, and learning. And that diagnostic then can be used in a number of ways, whether it's recruiting and building those learning agility questions and assessments into the interview experience so that you're not just hiring based on achievement or academic background on the CV. And then it also informs development plans. But Karen, what else would you say in terms of assessing learning agility beyond the diagnostic? Sure, Kylie. I'm a fan of the diagnostics because it provides specifics to springboard off of. However, it is possible to assess it just when you observe your peers, your team members, or even your leaders in their everyday work environment. So an example of a hint would be a leader or a manager who is able to have a detailed plan for something and shift in the moment when needed, having a plan but diverging from it based on a certain set of circumstances, that would be a hint. A hint is if you want to challenge as a manager someone on your team and try to assess them in the moment, you could give them an assignment or a task that you know is somewhat out of their wheelhouse and see how they take on that challenge. Those are clues. I'm reminded, actually, of Hamilton, which I think a lot of us saw over the 4th of July weekend. The most flexible, agile learner I think I've ever read about, just able to pick up something and switch to a new situation. That strikes me if I have somebody who is sitting in front of me who has demonstrated learning agility by switching complete cultures and countries. That seems relevant. Yeah, absolutely. All of these themes that we're talking about, Jeff, they do carry over into the interviewing realm and attracting and selecting talent for your team, whether from inside of your organization or from another organization. As you're speaking, I almost always ask someone a question during an interview directly. Tell me about a time when you were asked to take on a project or do something that you had never done before. How did you approach it? What were the challenges and how did you address them? That's my earlier point on intentionality. It doesn't mean someone cannot develop in their learning agility propensity. It just at least gives you an awareness of where to stand with it so that you can launch into the development realm. Is it something like creativity where it's difficult to teach an adult to be creative? <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible, but traditionally it's been difficult. There are people who are more creative than others. Are there some that are just more agile learners than others? Or is it a skill set that has specific things that if one is a rigid learner and wishes to become a more agile learner, that there's a plan? Is there a rigid plan for the rigid people <laughs> to become less rigid? Hmm. I like the way you've phrased that. Of course, someone with my background in talent development, I've based the bulk of my career on the concepts that people can develop. And so even on creativity, Jeff, I think oftentimes we put blinders on ourselves and say, oh, I'm not creative. And then we don't even give ourselves a chance to be creative. 
or we don't look at how the creativity may come out in different ways. Just because I can't paint or write a song doesn't mean I can't come up with a creative business solution. But you're not really asking about creativity. In terms of learning agility, I do believe it's developable. But I think Kylie can talk about that element of the definition that really speaks to this willingness piece. Because that is a critical element of what is going to make someone successful with this development. Yes, we talked about the desire being part of what it means to be learning agile, not just the capability and skill set of being able to adapt and pivot. And what's really interesting is that those people who most need to develop learning agility are most likely to not like the answer to the question, how do we develop learning agility? And the reason behind that is because developing learning agility involves putting yourself in situations where you don't know what to do. Karen already talked about really identifying those role-specific experiences within the organization tied to business priorities and objectives that are going to enable that person, whether they're in an individual contributor, a manager, or a leader, but helping them flex that muscle of jumping into the deep end and figuring out how to swim, so to speak. So what we do is we help design experiential learning plans for talent within the pharmaceutical industries that we serve so that they're able to develop this competency individually, but then from a team and organizational perspective over time, that translates to a more agile organization as well. One of the things I teach my kids is that when they're frustrated over learning, I try to tell them that's what learning feels like. This is a good feeling. You have to learn to like this feeling because it feels so uncomfortable when you feel stupid about something because you don't know it. But that's the thing that you have to lean into and just accept that you're going to like it. I suppose for me, the thing I really need to lean into is accepting that exercise is good for me. And that burning feeling is actually good. It's a burning feeling when you don't know what you're doing (laughs) and you have to lean into it. That's what it feels like to grow. Am I oversimplifying or is that spot on? Do I win? It's an excellent analogy, Jeff. Getting comfortable being uncomfortable is similar to the exercise. The other important element, which you can also do with your children, but certainly with adult learners, is to debrief the learning experience and really understand what exactly was it that caused the discomfort. Because the way to grow in this space is to understand where your discomfort comes from. So for example, did you think you were going to fail? Were people going to laugh at you? Were there going to be implications in your career? All these things are blockers to our learning. And by identifying what the block is, we're able to be more conscious of it the next time we step out of our comfort zone. It's less scary once you understand it, too. Yeah. There's a macro element of this concept of learning agility, and not to overemphasize the COVID experience, but it really does bring it home. We really believe that this capability will ultimately differentiate the winners and the losers in the field. The speed of technology, the impact that we have of living in a smaller and more interconnected world just shows how quickly everything changes. And the organizations who are really able to adapt to the change are going to be the organizations that win. 
So find the people that have already learning agility and those that need to develop more, help them develop more and be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Got it. Kylie Flanagan, Karen White, thanks so much for joining me on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life. Thank you.